You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 294 of Podcateers. In this episode, I give you a brief history of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We also talk about something that was removed from Galaxy's Edge and was recently brought back as a product. Plus, Run Disney's virtual runs have been announced for 2020, and we're thinking about participating in one of them. If you know what the runs are this year, I bet you know which one we're talking about. If not, head to the blog post. We got a list of them there. And listen to the idea that we propose in the episode. And I don't know, let us know if it's something you'd be interested in doing. Of course, if you have any thoughts on anything that we talk about in this episode, we'd love for you to join the conversation by leaving a comment on the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 294 on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. Um, before we get this episode off the ground, though, we'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support in sponsoring this episode. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners like us get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. To try FreshBooks free for 30 days, head over to gofreshbooks.com slash podcateers. And if they ask you, how did you hear about us? Make sure that you say on podcateers. Once again, we'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support. Speaking of support, we can't get this episode rolling without sending a huge thank you to the members of the FGP squad. If you're new to the podcast, the FGP squad is a group of awesome listeners just like you that help us out with a monthly contribution via Patreon. And it's that support that helped make these episodes of Podcateers possible. If you like the podcast and want more info on how you can join the FGP squad, you can go to podcateers.com FGP. As always, we want to send a huge thank you to all of the FGP squad for their continued support. All right, we are about ready to get this thing started here. So here we go. This is episode 294 of Podcateers. galaxy's edge no i didn't know you know why because no. we follow the rules that's why <laughs> we don't we do. take the sporks <laughs> which resulted in them taking away all the sporks altogether you know we complain all the time that this is why we can't have nice things but it's true but now disney flipped it did you see that they're actually selling the sporks yeah I- <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> All righty. And they're 10 <laughs> bucks a piece. Look, yeah. I will say this. In an effort to reduce mm-hmm. your carbon footprint, it's a pretty nice utensil to have. It if is. If you wanted a fork slash spoon, a spork, that looks kind of weird. It is metal. You know, it will withstand, you know, actually eating with it and stuff. It's not just a cool souvenir. I would actually buy one of these and use it. You know what? I'm just curious, and I just thought about it right now. I, You know what? I take back laughing because I'm curious to know if those sporks are actually lower in price than if you were to buy one for an emergency, like an emergency kit, because that thing would be amazing if I'm knocking on wood. Hopefully nothing happens in the future that we need to use one, but I'm like curious about that. Um... 
that's a good question because i mean i've seen like the camping ones right that that go on on a yeah like on a little hook that you put on your keys and stuff like they look uh-huh. super weird but i would say those are probably 15 or 20 dollars so maybe it's cheaper than getting one that's what i'm wondering hmm. And I'm like, wait, now that I think about this, yeah, dang. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on this one. Like, I was already convinced that I was going to buy one, right? <laughs> but now it has a legit purpose. Right. Yeah, <laughs> now it's not car. just a cool souvenir that makes me look cool when I'm eating with the weird-looking spork. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. I, I just thought it was funny when I saw that post that all of a sudden they're selling these. like, And it comes in a little commemorative bag. You know, it's nice. It's it's ten bucks. Okay. I think. Overall, it's a cool collectible. I think we've spent more money on stuff that's not really usable. You know, it just kind of sits on a shelf or it hangs on a wall. But this actually has a use for it. So I feel like mm-hmm. this is one of those collectibles that's actually worth getting. Yeah, I think we just talked ourselves into that. Yeah, I, I was I was almost there, but. Thanks for convincing me, Melissa. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, So if you guys don't know what we're talking about, obviously it's the Sporks that used to be at Galaxy's Edge. Um, After the first month or so, I think, uh, people Mm -hmm. were just stealing them and posting them on eBay for crazy amounts of money. Now that they're available, for anyone that paid two to $500 for one of those on eBay, I mean, a collectible is what you make of it, right? Whatever you feel yeah. it's worth yeah. to you is what you're going to pay for it. So I can't say you got cheated or you got anything because the value is what you make of it. And if if you did pay 200 or $500 for it, I guess you have the satisfaction of knowing that you have one of the original stolen ones. I Yikes. guess. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say that. But yeah, I know. we're both cringing. We're trying but, not you to know. cringe. So anyway, they're available for ten dollars now. You can get one at Galaxy's Edge. So there you go. Um, also, Boba Fett's walking around Tomorrowland. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Wrong area, dude. Right. And he needs a little bit more yeah, grit. But he, he looks does. good. Yeah. You know, it's funny because. I mean, later on in the episode, we're going to be talking about Galaxy's Edge and the history and where it kind of fits in the Star Wars timeline and everything. I haven't researched enough to know this, but I want to know where the Mandalorian fits in the Star Wars timeline. Because, like, how far off it is between the events that have currently happened and what's going to happen in Rise of Skywalker and all that stuff. Because... It would be super cool to see Mando walking around Galaxy's Edge. I know that we've talked about it. I thought. I know that we mentioned it. Yeah. But it would be super cool to watch, um, to see Mando walking around. Isn't the show based off of um, after episode six? Is it after episode six? I think so. Ah, then we're hosed. <laughs> That's a whole <laughs> other <know>. timeline. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong. Nah, if I'm sounds wrong, legit. Hey, let legit. me know. <laughs> It sounds like something that would be <laughs> happening. I mean, uh, I guess we can figure out what we're going to do. It, this, I think when we armchair Imagineer um, Galaxy's Edge in a couple of weeks, it's going to be interesting <laughs> because I think of the 
three of us, Gavin is the biggest Star Wars fan. And even he's not like a huge Star Wars geek. So mm-hmm. I I feel like when we do that, there's going to be people that are really entrenched in Star Wars culture. They're going to be like, you can't do that. How dare you? That's blasphemy. But then I'll be like, well, you know what? I talked to the the Lucas story people, uh, which I'll talk about later. And they said it was okay. It's officially canon now. So boom, there's my ride. Mic drop. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so side note, before we get to armchair, you're going to have to watch Rise of Skywalker. If not, I may possibly spoil no! it for you. Yeah, I, I have to tell you that. So I have two weeks. <laughs> Fair warning. I have two weeks to do it then. Yeah. Because there's something that popped up on like, and knowing we have this episode, I'm like, oh, man, okay. something like finally works in my head. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be difficult because we've also been trying to carve out some time to try to go ride Rise of the Resistance. And it's becoming yeah. very apparent that I may not be able to go to the park until maybe the end of the month right now. If I'm lucky, I might be able to squeeze a day before that. But as it looks right now, it's really looking like I probably won't be able to go until the end of February. Uh, And if that's the case, uh, I won't be able to to have that experience to use it for armchair imagineering. And it kind of bums me out because uh, I, I hate to say it, but I may have to resort to watching the video like Ugh. that somebody posted and yeah you know like gavin said uh, it's all about your own experience you know it's how True. you feel when you write it and viewing it is not like being there and seeing it with your own eyes but yeah i may have to spoil it because even getting a boarding pass is just so difficult you know yeah. it's just being there at eight o'clock and you know it's just I don't know. That That's a whole other thing that we should talk about. So <laughs> okay. anyway, I, I don't want to get bummed out, but it looks like it's going to be towards the end of February. But eh. so enough talk about Star Wars. I have some happy news. I mean, enough talk about Star Wars and we're going to go into like a whole segment later. So <laughs> <laughs> for now, we'll take for a break. now, right? We'll take At a break for now, <laughs> <laughs> for now. <laughs> Distraction. <laughs> so happy news. We have a new virtual run, and it is Haunted Mansion theme. Wait, what? Yeah. When is this? So this will be in August. It's the fifth anniversary. I could only imagine what that medal is, and we could do it at our own pace. No. So, yes. Way. You have no choice. (laughs) I mean, the the only thing is obviously the money that I have to pay. to do it that's Um, true what does it cost to run a virtual Mm -hmm. race like i know what it is to do an actual 5k but i've i've never done a virtual race before i never have either but it seems like it's gonna be what 40 or so 40 bucks that's That's not not bad no compared to like the races that you would do on property it's not bad and their medals are really nice for that price Okay, so I guess follow-up question. Are Uh they having an actual Haunted Mansion 5K, or is it just, like, this virtual one? I'm taking it as that is the theme. 
Just the virtual for one. this virtual race. Okay. Yes. So you would okay. I see. So then it's not connected to like a physical one because I think last year I know some people that ran like actual Avengers 5Ks and 10Ks and there was like a mm-hmm. whole challenge, right? Where you get yeah. like two or three medals for completing different uh, marathons. And then mm-hmm. there's there's a virtual one as well. I just don't know if it matches like the actual 5K one or if it's like a special one that says like virtual 5K. To distinguish from the from the real one. You know one. what? I do know someone who's done the virtual 5Ks. If I'm not mistaken, um, I believe it's Mel. Oh, really? From DDN. Oh, right on. Yeah. She did the Mickey Mouse one. Oh, we should send her a message and then follow up in the next yeah. episode. Because that'll be good to know. Plus, she could fill in like how much it cost her to do it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So we'll get more information on this. We'll try to post it in the blog post for this episode, podcasters.com slash two ninety four if you guys are interested. Uh obviously all of the run Disney events for these virtual races um have been posted by now. We'll get that info and we'll put it up for you if you're interested. Uh I if it's forty bucks, like I feel like I wanna do it. I think yeah. it would be totally cool because I could just grab a churro. And just walk the whole thing. And we could walk. And enjoy a uh-huh. churro and get a medal for it. Uh-huh. Like, I'm going to get a medal for uh-huh. eating churros. How I've convinced awesome you. is that? <laughs> plus, plus yeah. do you have to do it in a specific spot? Like, what if we walked around Disneyland until we reached 5K? Fitbits keep track of that, right? That's what, it. What if we yeah. just walked around the park several times you know, along the outer rim, including Galaxy's Edge. I mean, look, Mm -hmm. what a fun place to do a virtual 5K. And then when you're done doing this Haunted Mansion virtual 5K, we end up at the mansion. That's what we should do. We should map it out so that you end at the mansion and you ride it and then your legs will be spaghetti mm-hmm. and you won't be able to get up and walk away. <laughs> They'll have to leave you on the ride and you'll just have to ride it the rest of the day. Yeah. Or you become that one ghost. That's Meeting it. Meeting adjourned. <laughs> I like where this is going. I was going to try to convince you and say, hey, we could play Pokemon Go oh, too. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Okay. Well, look, I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm convinced. Around that time, I, ha- I also have to make sure that I start saving money because around that time, the tickets for the D23 Expo are going to be going on sale. Yep. And I want to make sure <laughs> that I buy them as close as possible so that I end up with all three days versus not like the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I- although the last couple of years, I have had circumstances come up that were work related that didn't really allow me. So... I was bummed out, but, you know, it was kind of on two different levels. Hopefully this year, not the same. Hopefully I'll just buy them when I can, and uh, I'll have all three days, and then I'll be good to go. And I won't be complaining that you guys went to the mansion panel and I didn't. Not bitter about (laughs) it at all. Hashtag whatever. You know what? Was it worth all that hassle in the crowds? No. Says you, you still got to see it. Yeah, I know. Whatever. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. You know what? You know what? Let's just go to commercial now because I need to cool off so that we can start talking about Galaxy's Edge. Ha! We're back to Galaxy's Edge. We're back to (laughs) Star Wars. (laughs) So 
Um, virtual run. If you guys are interested, we'll post uh, the information in the blog post for the episode. Maybe we will try to figure something out. Maybe we can do something around in the parks and we can get together in a group and walk it together if you guys are interested in doing that. Uh, so let's talk about it. Join the conversation. Leave a comment, Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter. You can join the Podcasters Facebook group and we can talk about it there. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into the history of Galaxy's Edge in just a moment. And we'll be doing that when we come back. Today's episode is brought to you with support from FreshBooks. You know, many years ago, I started doing some freelance work, taking photos for businesses, realtors, engagement sessions, and family photos. One thing that I always struggled with, though, was finding a good solution for invoicing, and that's where FreshBooks came in. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. They offer super simple solutions that let you create and send professional-looking invoices in seconds. On top of that, FreshBooks offers great ways to track time worked, create estimates and quotes, you can run reports to see how you're doing, process payments, and if you ever have any questions, their award-winning support team is there to help. If you're always on the move, don't worry, FreshBooks also has easy-to-use mobile apps for iOS and Android. Getting started with FreshBooks is extremely simple. You can try it free for 30 days by going to gofreshbooks.com slash You can also find a link in the post for this episode on our website. Also, make sure to enter Podcateers if they ask you how did you hear about us. If you're looking for a way to help your business grow, help you with invoicing and billing, get organized and more, FreshBooks is there to help. So give it a shot and check out some of the great features that FreshBooks has to offer. That link again is gofreshbooks.com slash podcateers. It's time to get back to the show, but we'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support. All right, and we are back. Um, as we were talking about earlier, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge today. And, there, okay, look, let me start by <laughs> saying that I don't consider myself a Star Wars geek. Uh, I mean, I like the movies, I like the mm-hmm. lore, I like the experience in the parks, but I'm not entrenched in the Star Wars culture like many others. And I think, honestly, I think that that's the demographic that Disney was going for when they built Galaxy's Edge. So I kind of fit mm-hmm. like right into that demo. Um And we may talk about that more later or like in an upcoming episode. Uh, but like while researching this topic i fell into like a rabbit hole of information because the star wars universe is just so vast and it's kind of dizzying and i'm already tired to begin with so (laughs) i mean part of me feels like i just need to take a nap at this point you know Mm -hmm. so in order to tell you the story of galaxy's edge we have to go back quite a bit and start A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. No, we don't have the rights to that music. Maybe I could just do it like with my mouth, be like. But we can't use the actual music. We'll get shut down. Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. By Gonzo. That's how we're just going to pitch that. (laughs) <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay. So so Galaxy's Edge. 
Uh, it's a cool new land, obviously based on a remote planet. And although it might seem weird to say that a Disney park has a Star Wars land, mm -hmm. it's really something that's kind of been in the works for decades. So let me take you back a bit to kind of help establish that connection. The 1980s was a decade where things in what we call nerd culture came to prominence. Indiana Jones, Ooh. Goonies, Nintendo, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones, by the way, is why I started because I knew I'd get you to like at least say yeah or something <laughs> out of that one. Um, well among a lot of other things, obviously, right? <laughs> and although the franchise technically started in the late 70s, Star Wars played a huge part in the culture of the 80s and molding the lives of kids around the world. You might recall from previous episodes that around this time, the Disney company was struggling a bit. The films that they were producing just weren't part of the golden age and certainly had not reached the Renaissance era. Around this time, Ron Miller was running the studio, and he greenlit some projects that had potential, including one experimental film called Tron. Yeah. Although Tron developed a following, it never quite reached the masses the way that Star Wars and even Indiana Jones had started to acquire. As legend has it, though, it was Tony Baxter that had the realization that the Disney company was becoming a bit disconnected with younger audiences, and that the same things that were at Disneyland around that time probably wouldn't appeal to them or their kids in the future. So Tony took that concern to Marty Sklar at Imagineering, and after careful deliberation, they were able to convince Ron Miller that something had to be done. And part of that suggestion included working with George Lucas and the franchises that he created. While this was being planned, the company went through a corporate shakeup, which ousted Ron Miller and brought in Michael Eisner as CEO. We'll get into the story of Star Tours um, another day, but for the sake of this story, just know that several years after it was pitched, and a few years shy of closing out the decade of the 80s, Disneyland had a Star Wars attraction, and it was a success. Between May 1999 and May 2005, three more Star Wars films would be released. The partnership between Lucasfilm and the Disney company was still going strong and was evident by the announcement that George Lucas made in April 2005, just one month before the release of Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. And that was that Star Tours would be getting an upgrade and that quote-unquote Star Tours 2 was in production. It would be six years before we finally saw this new version, though. 2005 also brought more change in the Disney company, as it would be part of yet another corporate shakeup when Roy E. Disney successfully lobbied to restructure management. This initiative, though, brought in Bob Iger as the successor to Michael Eisner as CEO of the Disney company. And it didn't take long for Bob to start making changes, including some that would not only change the face of the Disney company, but the entertainment industry as a whole. The acquisition of Pixar in 2006 and then Marvel in 2009 certainly made a huge impact. In 2011, during the dedication of the new Star Tours, The Adventures Continue attraction at Disneyland, 
George Lucas and Bob Iger were discussing the possibility of Disney signing a distribution deal with Lucasfilm. And it was during those conversations that Lucas told Iger that he was thinking of retiring and selling the company, including the Star Wars franchise. That was music to Bob's ears. Yeah. Negotiations took over a year, and on October 30th, 2012, with the pen swishes heard around the world, George Lucas and Bob Iger signed the paperwork required for Disney to acquire Lucasfilm. But how would Disney keep making Star Wars films? They know nothing about it. They didn't create it. Lucas did. Look, I get it. You know, and in some cases, you're right. But that year, Kathleen Kennedy took over the duties of running the company and the Lucasfilm story group was formed to help keep track of things like that. Their job was to help create and develop new stories for decades to come that fit within the established universe. That way, Disney could kind of stay out of the way like they had been doing with Pixar and Marvel. And I know there's a lot of you out there that are saying, but that's not how it's been. It's this and it's that. And look, I know many of you are going to agree with this and that. But I think that things like the retirement of the expanded universe and all of that really deserves its own segment in a future episode. So I'm not going to get too far into that because I think it deserves that respect. Mm -hmm. But ultimately... They were responsible for taking the films that Lucas had created and making sure that everything Star Wars was properly connected. This is why there's character crossover in Star Wars The Clone Wars, Rebels, Star Tours, Disney Infinity 3.0, you know, the game set, Star Wars themed comics, novels, and the future lands that would eventually be coming to the parks. I will say, though, that when Disney purchased Lucasfilm, a big part of why Bob Iger made the purchase was not only to keep it away from another company and to make money off the franchise, which, you know, as a business is what you do, yeah, but also because he respected George Lucas and what he had created. You know, he saw George Lucas, like many others did, as, you know, the Walt Disney of the Star Wars universe, Mm -hmm. you know, so he respected that. And the day that they signed that deal, he was quoted as saying, as far as the legacy George has created, we don't take that lightly. We definitely plan to expand the presence of Star Wars in our parks, which could include new parks. And so it was stated. Our first hint of more Star Wars content coming to the parks was right in front of our eyes on the expo floor. At the D23 Expo in 2013, crates with contents that were derived from or in the spirit of Star Wars could be seen with labels like Contents, One Protocol Droid, and C-3PO, Lightsaber Assortment, Lot of Twelve, Six Blue, Five Green, One Purple, Caution, Contents May Cauterize, and Contents, Series 401 Hyperdrive Motivator, Class YT-1300 Light Freighter. You could see that the force was strong in this area. And one of the coolest things was a box labeled Top Secret Plans in a very familiar font, might I say. And on the side of the box, it said Orange Harvest Speculation Beyond Imagination. 
This, of course, was a reference to the code name for the Return of the Jedi, which was named Blue Harvest, with the tagline Horror Beyond Imagination, to try to keep people off the scent that a new Star Wars movie was being made. Alongside the crates were blueprints for familiar-looking ships, and those crates were addressed to Orange Project Harvest, care of Walt Disney Imagineering in Glendale, California. And one of the coolest things to do at that expo was to take a picture with a small droid wearing a cast member tag that said A-R-T-O-O. Yes, R2. (laughs) It was R2-D2 that you could lean down and take a quick selfie with. Or is it a, a, a... Mefi, Weefy, wife, we, whatever. You can take a picture with R two D two. I have a picture that I ended up taking with R two D two at mm-hmm. that expo that I'll put in the blog post for this episode. Go check it out, podcasters dot com slash two ninety four if you want to take a look at that. Um, but once people saw these crates and these plans, like speculation just ran rampant about the possible Star Wars land that was coming. Was it going to be a new park, like a third gate? Maybe it would go at Walt Disney World. After all, I mean, DCA just got Cars yeah. Land the year before that, you know, and they kind of don't have any more space. So where the heck would they put it? And it would be two more years before we would finally be presented with more info on what was to come. In 2015, towards the end of the Walt Disney Studios presentation at the D23 Expo, Bob Iger took the stage and announced the following. Well, today I'm thrilled to announce the next chapter in the long and exciting history between Disney Parks and Star Wars. We're creating a jaw-dropping new world that represents our largest single-themed land expansion ever. And one more thing. We're not just building one of these. We're building two. One, Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando. And the other, right here in Anaheim at Disneyland. I mean, come on. Right? Come on. I'm listening. I mean, I remember listening to that and and just the media went nuts. Mm -hmm. Just learning about it. Yeah. I mean, word quickly started spreading that Hollywood Studios and Anaheim were going to be getting a Star Wars-themed area. In his presentation, Iger also said that it would be a new planet on the outer rim of the galaxy, the edge of the galaxy, if you will. And we had tons of eye candy in the form of concept art for what was to come, and the planning continued. During a shareholders meeting in March of 2016, Bob Iger announced that they would break ground to begin the building of these new lands in April of 2016. And during a conference call early the next year, he announced that they would be bringing the world of Star Wars to life in these 14-acre immersive expansions at Disneyland and Hollywood Studios in 2019. And it almost seemed impossible. There was just so much to build Mm -hmm. and so much to move. After all, I mean, Project Stardust, you know, things were changing. Like, it was changing the park. 
In the summer of 2017 at the D23 Expo, further details about the upcoming land were released, including a gorgeous model that gave us a glimpse of the layout of the new land, now officially dubbed Galaxy's Edge. That day, we found out more about the characters and experiences that awaited when visiting this new planet. We might encounter Chewbacca, R2-D2, Hondo Onaka, Kylo Ren, and maybe even a familiar face from Star Tours. Remember that plucky droid that always wanted to do that as he maneuvered your star speeder through that epic battle between the New Republic and the Imperial forces? Well, he's now a DJ because, <laughs> I mean, that's what you do after you pilot a star speeder and aren't any good at it. That's retirement. You, you go, that's retirement. You go play classic music in a bar <laughs> at a local cantina. Uh, we even learned the names of some of the upcoming attractions in the lands, which were Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run, and Rise of the Resistance. Project Stardust, ironically named after the first Death Star project, uh, was officially underway at the parks to beautify and amplify walkways in preparation for the opening of the new lands. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge officially opened on May 31st, 2019 at Disneyland and August 2019 in Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World. Inspired by the rock formations of Bandelier National Monument and the Bistee Badlands in New Mexico, the Badlands National Park in South Dakota, and the Petrified Forest National Park in Arizona, the land was absolutely breathtaking. Walking in, you clearly felt that you were in another world. The towering mountains served the purpose of giving you a sense of being on the planet while keeping away the sights and sounds of the other lands in the park. Mm -hmm. Let me put it this way. If you didn't know about Galaxy's Edge and you were just dropped right in the middle of the land without knowing that you stepped foot into Disneyland first you wouldn't be able to say where you were. That's how secluded it is from the rest of the park. That's how well-planned and structured yep. this area is. I love it. So what do we know about Galaxy's Edge? I mean, now it's open. You know, what do we know? Well, uh, although the area itself is called Galaxy's Edge, that's not where you actually are. You're actually on the planet Batu and you're exploring the area known as the Black Spire Outpost. But where did that come from? Batu was once an outpost planet on the very edge of the outer rim of the galaxy before entering the unknown regions, hence the name Galaxy's Edge. Long before anyone inhabited Batu, the planet was covered with towering trees until a great cataclysm resulted in the destruction of those trees, which would eventually become petrified. The first settlers of Batu were Ariana Surabat and the crew of her ship, the Raven Star. Over time, Batu became a prominent trading post named after the Black Spire that stood in the middle of the area. It was located at a busy crossroads for anyone traveling at sub light speed. But the invention of hyperspace began to dominate transportation, and most travelers avoided stopping on Batu because they no longer had to stop there. After that, it became a port for smugglers, rogue traders, and anyone with an adventurous spirit who wanted to explore the unknown. So Mr. Fredrickson, bring Kevin, bring Russell, <laughs> adventure is out there. 
just saying if you see a little house with balloons they've gone oh. way past paradise falls i'm just saying um we've seen batu mentioned here and there like in the film solo where l337 points out to lando that he couldn't find the black spire without her and now he wants to do the castle run it's a mm-hmm. line that you might miss if you're not really paying attention to it but it was a mention of the black spire outpost but officially, Batu was first featured in the 2018 novel Star Wars Thrawn Alliances by Timothy Zahn. In that novel, Anakin, Darth Vader, goes to Batu in search of Padme when she goes missing. He crosses paths with Grand Admiral Thrawn, and they form a brief alliance in exchange for information about the Republic. And you got to read the book. I'm not going to tell you what it's about, primarily because I haven't read it. That's just what I read about <laughs> it. But that obviously was a long time ago. So where does Galaxy's Edge fit in the Star Wars timeline? Well, it fits right after the events of The Last Jedi and right before the rise of Skywalker. In Galaxy's Edge, you're going to find quite some characters. One of those characters, obviously, is Hondo Onaka. If you are getting onto the attraction, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. Hondo was introduced during the Clone Wars. He's a Weequay pirate who led the Onaka gang on the Outer Rim world of Florum. With the rise of the Galactic Empire, though, his gang dissolved and Hondo went off on his own to space pillage and plunder. Uh, And after the Empire was defeated, Hondo decided to make an attempt to go legitimate with Onaka Transport Solutions on Batu. When the Resistance established a base on the planet, Onaka kind of helped them, you know, against the First Order. So he kind of became an ally. And most people sometimes wonder, well, how did he get a hold of the Falcon? You know, why is the Falcon just prominently parked in the middle of this planet? You got to remember that this is happening after the events in The Last Jedi. So, spoiler alert, Han Solo dead, y'all. He's gone. Oh, wow. Uh, And so Chewie is now kind of flying around in the Falcon with Rey and a ton of porgs. (laughs) And so ultimately, he's doing these jobs. He goes to Batu, and uh, Hondo makes a deal with Chewbacca. And uh, there's a sign that Chewbacca sees that says, Flight crews wanted, no training necessary, fair pay, great experience, discretion a must, inquire at Onaka Transport Solutions in the spaceport. And so Chewbacca talks to Hondo, and Hondo becomes part of the crew, and that's why Chewie is kind of there helping you when you're flying the Falcon. Uh, As far as Rey, I mean... She's walking around Galaxy's Edge. Mm -hmm. So also fits with the story going on. Um, Side story, you know, we could talk about another time. But at one point, uh, Hondo actually sold the Falcon to uh, somebody named Bazin Natal. And uh, she had taken the Falcon. And he's like, hey, we got to steal the Falcon back. And so when she took the Falcon, he stole it back and then he kept it. So not only did he get paid for it, he also got to keep it. So. <laughs> nice. Pillage and plunder in space. <laughs> That's what a space pirate does. Um, Vi. Vi Marathi. Yeah. Vi is a spy. I That kind of rhymes. It almost threw me off. <laughs> uh, who served in the resistance during the Cold War. 
she's gone by different code names depending on uh, where you read about her or where you kind of uh, see things about her. She's gone by Starling, Amaka Kotu, Yvette Harlow, or even Magpie. But Vi is General Organa's top spy and is described as the female Poe Dameron because of how talented she is, her humor, and most importantly, her ego. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you ever have an opportunity to interact with Vi, it is such a cool yeah. experience at Galaxy's Edge. You know, she is with the Resistance, so if you ever get a chance to see her, uh, I think this might be a good time to talk a little bit about the lingo that's local to Galaxy's Edge. Because uh, if you're greeting, let's say, Vi, uh, she or you can say, ignite the spark, and the response to that is, light the fire. It's essentially a greeting. It's, hey, hello. Ah. You know, it's just kind of like the the resistance, hey, what's up? Nice. You know, between resistance fighters. Uh, you would think in general that at the edge of the galaxy, you would encounter a language that you can't understand, like galactic basic or something. But surprisingly, when speaking to Batuans, it'll sound very familiar, kind of like English <laughs> to most of you. However... One thing that will immediately label you as a traveler is obviously how you talk, which is, you know, the whole ignite the fire, light the spark. It's a resistance thing. Uh, we'll put a, a list of the most commonly used phrases in the blog post for this episode over at podcasters.com slash 294 if you guys want to take a look at that. But uh, just to give you an example, some of the most commonly used phrases there is uh, if you're going there in the morning, the way that they would say good morning is bright suns. Mm -hmm. If you're going in the evening, rising moons is the common salutation. If you are leaving, bidding adieu for the day and you're just taking off uh, till the spire is the way that you would say farewell. If you're just kind of like a... Ah, I'll see you later. Instead of a formal goodbye, it's good journey. Or if you're if you're doing a completely formal goodbye, like you know, see you later. I'm gonna miss you. You know, smooches or whatever. Uh, it's may the spires keep you. I don't think I've heard that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. May the spires keep you. <laughs> um, there's going to be other things, obviously. Like, they refer to money as credits. Mm -hmm. uh, that becomes a big thing, especially if you're doing, you know, Smuggler's Run. Your phone is your data mm -hmm. pad, which plays a big part in the land. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens there that I, I want to get into in this episode, but it's just going to take up a whole lot of time. So I think we're just going to have to do a segment, like, maybe next week. I don't know. Like... Let's let's kind of gather all that, like all the Easter eggs and everything. And we'll talk about that in Ooh, the next episode. Fun. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, there's just so much There is. And I know that we're preparing for armchair Imagineering oh, for <laughs> Galaxy's Edge. So it's going to be – actually, it's going to serve a really good purpose, right? Because once we start researching all of mm -hmm. that, it'll be great because it'll kind of give us an idea of what's missing, what we want, and what should be there. So it'll kind of serve a dual yeah. purpose. So yay research. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think I'm going to end it there then. Because right. uh, overall, Galaxy's Edge is just an amazing land. I mean, what the Disney company did in order to bring that planet to life, mm -hmm. it's unlike any other Disney experience that I've ever had. I mean, there's Disney magic, 
And this is just on a totally different level. The characters that George Lucas created and the the ambiance and the feeling of being on another planet and interacting with, you know, Dokandar yeah. or um, eating at Ronto Roasters or, you know, like flying the Falcon, like <laughs> flying the freaking Falcon. Like it's it's beyond like anything you could have possibly dreamed of. Like it's one thing to ride an attraction and to be shown a story in a dark ride. It's one thing to sit in the simulator and and go through star tours and know that all these things are happening around you and that they're pulling heartstrings and brain strings and you know they're manipulating your emotions in order to make you feel like you're actually flying through space. But man, Galaxy's Edge it's on a whole other level. Yeah. It allows you to really live your adventure, which was the tagline for the for the land. And I mean, I I had an idea of what to expect when it opened, but this just goes beyond what I think many of us expected. And you know, again, we can get into uh, all of the the things that happen with the opening of the park and uh, the opening, you know, uh, how some people say that it failed and everything. Um, I mean, I, I don't think oh, it Oh, no, not at all. I think that, you know, one of the biggest criticisms that people have had about Galaxy's Edge is obviously the fact that they wanted a land that they were already familiar with. You know, they wanted Hoth or they wanted, you know, one of these planets that came from the original trilogy. But in many ways it's better not just to introduce something that could help you expand your universe but put it so far away from what's happening that kind of anything goes mm -hmm. right it, yeah. that's the yeah. beauty of having this remote planet the outer rim of the galaxy and more importantly if let, let's just say that if they had created a planet like Hoth or any of these other planets that Star Wars fans are already familiar with, it was never going to live up to their expectations. Yeah. Because what they saw in the films is not what they can deliver in the park. So realistically speaking, it was going to flop just because people were going to say, this is nothing like the movie. This is horrible. How dare they? They screwed this up. They killed my childhood. And that's, I, I don't know. Like, I love the fact that they went with something different. I love the fact that they've been basically teasing this since right after 2011. Mm -hmm. And we got that first glimpse at that 2013 D23 Expo. And to see that almost a decade later, this is what came from it. It gives you a little bit of an idea of what type of planning goes into these things at Imagineering. And more importantly, I hope it kind of gives you an appreciation of what the Imagineers oh, do yeah. and the type of work that's required to pull something like this off. Yeah, especially when you just don't feel like you don't feel like you're at Disneyland when you're there every single time. It never fails. And it's just. It always it always takes you somewhere else. So it takes a whole lot of work to take one person who's probably very familiar with the park and take you into it. And you're just like, wow, this is 
this is surreal. No matter day, night, dusk, anytime, <laughs> practically. Yeah. You know, there's only one time that I ever feel that I'm like outside or like that I'm in Disneyland and that's during the fireworks show. Oh, really? And uh, there's not much you can do at that point, right? Because it's up in the sky. It's it's just you're going to see it. it. The proximity is too close for them to not do that. Maybe it would be different if the fireworks launched from I don't know, World of Color or something. But because of the proximity to the castle, it just kind of, in my brain, I already know that those fireworks are associated with Disneyland and they're associated with the show that's for the park. So because of that, it's a little difficult for me to separate the two. But, you know, going back to what I said just a little bit ago, if somebody didn't know about Galaxy's Edge and they were somehow plopped right in the middle, not knowing that they walked into Disneyland... And fireworks went off. Somebody could very easily say, oh, that's a celebration that Oga puts on for us. Yeah. Which is what they say now, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's their excuse for the fireworks now. But it would be super easy to disassociate Disneyland in that way. But for me, because I've seen it for so many years, like, does not compute. Right. right? Those are Disneyland fireworks. Like, that's just my brain has already made that association. So I can say that that's really the only time I feel I'm in a Disney park. Or Aside having, from that. <laughs> I was going to say, or having the Columbia pass by <laughs> and the pirate flag wave. In well, <laughs> I feel like you only get that experience if you're standing like right yeah. in front of Rise of the Resistance, mm-hmm. like right, right where you're kind of walking into the land. Outside of that, the the rock formations and because it kind of goes downhill after that you don't really see it yeah That's like, there's like one sweet spot where you would actually see it but yeah i mean if there's music and everything else playing i don't think you necessarily pay too much attention to it but yes i have seen it like i have <laughs> seen the pirate flag during phantasmic and all that stuff so there is that brief moment but yeah i mean otherwise ah oh, it's just such a beautiful beautiful thing mm-hmm. so um yeah uh, so that that's kind of where i'm gonna leave this i think like like i said it, it'll be fun to talk a little bit more about the shops the experience some of the things that you can do in the land history wise that's it that's kind of what brought us galaxy's edge that's kind of where we are now um rise of the resistance obviously was the last attraction to open at both parks obviously at at hollywood studios and then it opened here in california the opening at hollywood studios much cooler than the one here even though it wasn't what we were expecting when we were promised that x-wing drones were going to (laughs) be flying and then it just turned out to look like a really large balloon but overall hey they got x-wing drones flying yeah over the park for the opening yeah yeah it is a start So I can't complain too much there. But uh, if there's anything that you guys want to add that I may have missed, uh, feel free to join the conversation and leave us a comment in the blog post for the episode, pocketeers.com slash 294. You can also join the conversation on social media by joining us on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. And that's it. I think until next week when we talk a little bit more about the experiences uh, i think that's gonna wrap it up for this episode so until next week keep dreaming keep moving forward 
And always remember to pass on the magic. See you guys next week. Till the spire. Well said. <laughs> well said. <laughs>